Welcome to the after show. We discuss the message behind the message. Do us a favor. If you're not already following us, go ahead and subscribe to the channel below and you can get all the updates on our podcast. Well, I'm Jason. I'm one of the pastors here on staff. And today we have with us Pastor Marty. Welcome, Pastor Marty. How's it going? Well, how are you, sir? I'm doing well. Uh, so this past uh, Palm Sunday, um, we were wrapping up our sermon series, What to Believe, and you talked about being witnesses. Um, some people came in expecting to see the donkey. <laughs> so, uh, but uh, I love the fact that you pivoted the, the church and you, you challenged us. You reminded us, hey, I was hired uh, to help you be witnesses. We want to talk about just kind of your mentality going into the message and why you felt the urgency to really challenge the church about being witnesses during this time. Yeah, so, I mean, contextually off of that thought, my job as a pastor is not to be the official witness of Calvary, uh, but to instruct the people of the church and the body of Christ at large into how they can become a witness of Christ in the marketplace, uh, in their neighborhoods, in their homes, and uh, so forth. And so, people get forgetful of that assignment. And so my job as a pastor is to instruct them in that uh, instruction that Christ gave to us, uh, Acts chapter 1, verse 8, go and be my witnesses. And so the idea of the weekend message was to be witnesses and to take that uh, with us everywhere we go. Uh, the Great Commission, of course, is go and make disciples, Matthew 28. And, uh, you know, so we want to embrace the idea that part of our calling as Christians, if you are a Christian today, then even if you know it or not, you are part of the Great Commission. You've been assigned by God to be a witness. And so that was the idea. A lot of folks look at me as the pastor and think, well, that's what you do. You know, kind of like, uh, you know, you hire an electrician to do electrical work on your house. And so we hired a, a chief witnessing person to come witness to people. And that's not what I do. Now, I do that as a believer. And I do that, you know, in my uh, relationship buildings and my neighborhood and but not as the pastor. As the pastor, I instruct you, the congregate, on how to go and be a witness. Right. Well, it says in Scripture he gave some teachers and some pastors, yeah. but all of us, I love the fact that you emphasized and gave us a challenge. All of us have a stake in this. If the church is going to grow, if we're going to see life change happen within our context of our friend groups and our neighborhoods, then we have an assignment uh, to uh, be those witnesses for God right where we are. Uh, you don't know the neighborhood I live on or places I go to, but God called me there. So I love that fact that you uh, you highlighted that. And you, we live in an age today where Everyone has an opinion. Everyone's sharing opinions online, offline. But yet, uh, I love the fact that you said this quote. You said, uh, we need to take that energy that we're using online to fight one another or, or, or give our opinions, but use that to share the gospel. I thought that was a powerful point that you made. And uh, it just it just stirred something in me because we've seen a lot of that um, last year and still into this year about people just going, sometimes going off online. But then we have believers who say, focus that energy. Uh, t think about the lost person. And you talked about the lost coin, the lost sheep, um, and, and the lost son. You just want to go into those parables and talk about why those are important. I love that wedding ring example. Yeah. I'm glad you found the wedding ring, by the way. I am too. <laughs> I'm sure your wife is happy about that as well. <laughs> well, you know, I, I think that in the parable in Luke 15, uh, we want to you know remind ourselves that first of all, Christ kicks off talking to the Pharisees who were criticizing him for talking to sinners. He was, uh, he was accused of being a man who ate with sinners and tax collectors, right? That was his common accusation in the scripture by the religious uh, group of people. So he then walks through these three different parables in Luke 15, the, the lost sheep, which is the first one, the lost coin, the second one, the lost son. 
And Jesus, uh, Jesus' sayings are like hard candy. You can't just take a bite out. You gotta, you gotta ponder for a moment. You kind of gotta suck on the thought there and think, what's he saying to us? It's not a Hershey kiss. It's a piece of hard candy. But if you buy too fast, you're gonna hurt yourself. You know. So gotta call the dentist. He, yeah. <laughs> so he he starts this conversation with, um, you know, which one of you wouldn't go after a lost sheep? You know, because they understood the sheep. In fact, in their world. Uh, the Pharisees loved sheep because that was part of the money-making for uh, the temple uh, sacrifice. They would sell the sheep, so they loved sheep. And he, then he asked the question, which one of you who haven't, uh, you know, if a woman, like a woman that lost a coin. Yeah. So now he's leaning back into their palate. They understood sheep. They understood money. And then he has the conversation about the son. Well, he's really going back into this ending dialogue about the prodigal son to expose the elder brother. And so we often talk about the prodigal. It's a tremendous story. In fact, all of us, we, we have been the prodigal. Yeah. And, but he really was leaning back into them because the story starts out over here and it circles back around. And so what he's doing is he's exposing the fact that they are the elder brothers. They are the ones who are not loving the sinners that Jesus was eating with. It's the same scenario. His accusation was this man eats with sinners. Yeah. The father is now eating with the prodigal son, and the elder brother is going, look at that guy. So he's really pulling out um, the fact that these Pharisees uh, were the elder brother. And so he kind of layers it down. He layers this conversation. And I think it's important in the church for us to look at that story and figure out where we are. Are we the father? Are we the one looking for people? Are we the prodigal? Uh, maybe even right now you're watching this and you're away from God. And here's some good news. God's always looking for you. God never stops looking for you. Or maybe you're the elder brother. Maybe you've done forgot about those who are away from God. Maybe you've been living for God so long because the elder brother, he begins to break down all I've done for you. All these many years, he says, I've served you, never give you one problem, he says. You know, which is interesting because... If you've ever raised kids, there's no such thing as a kid without problems. Amen to that. I'm raising three right now. (laughs) um, It's interesting because he had a very self-elevated view of himself, but he had a downgraded view of his brother. Yeah, flesh and blood. Yeah, and and the father affirms the fact, I love you both. I'm I'm not choosing him over you. He says, all I've ever had has been yours. I've given you all I've got, son. And so Jesus really says to the religious guys, I'm not just condemning you, but I'm also saying I love you. And I'm not... I've not forgotten you, even though I care for the sinner and even care for the, the prodigals. I've not forgotten my love for you. And so it's interesting how Jesus walks that fine line of, if you would say, indicting the religious, but not being indifferent to their need for him. So it's a great, great parable, Luke 15, and so much insight there about us as people today. And one of my takeaways that uh, I got from that was that each one of those parables, there's an urgency Yep. You know, that he left 99 sheep to go hunt down and look for that one. He tore up the house looking for that lost coin. And then thinking about the father waking up every single day. Is this the day my son comes home? Is this the day? So there is a call to action that is, I think, layered throughout those three parables that I thought was important. But you did talk about how sometimes in the church, you know, we can get complacent. 
yeah. and we lose that fire for that urgency and uh and that we have to get that spark back especially um now that we're in this obviously um palm sunday to easter week and it's a great opportunity to share the gospel and i love that we have a responsibility to a call to urgency to go out and be witnesses and and, and to be listening so you shared about the story at the airport where you know you saw someone in, in just an everyday setting an airport and you could have been on your headphones or whatever it could have been all in your business but your ears were attuned to somebody who was broken um and you were able just to at least uh ask them to pray that was a powerful example of just being present and being aware that people are hurting all around us today yeah and i share that story not to focus on me but to say anybody could do this anybody who's a believer in christ can hear a, a hurt or see a hurt and they can respond to it it doesn't take a degree in theology. It doesn't take a pastoral position to look at someone who's crying and saying, can I pray for you? Right. And, and if they say no, then you just respect that and move away. And you pray under your own voice as you walk away, just say, Lord, help that person. But if they say yes, then you pray. And you might be thinking, well, I don't know what to pray. Well, that's where the Holy Spirit guides us. Right. And Jesus promised this comfort to us when he left this earth. That was Acts chapter 1. We see that exchange in Acts 2, the Holy Spirit comes down. And the whole point of the Holy Spirit being present in us is to empower us to, to be witnesses. And that witness can happen at the airport, can happen in the marketplace, can happen in the schoolyard, can happen um, in, in, in the cubicles at the work uh, center. I mean, there's a lot of places that that ministry happens. So just be sensitive. And anytime you feel that little check in your spirit, it may just be a slight bump. It's a nudge. And then as you, as you lean into the nudge, the Holy Spirit will continue to empower you. Um, and and he, will, he will guide you in what to say and do. Yeah, and I, I like, that. I like that, uh, 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 that point because I think sometimes we're guilty of wanting instant success with salvation. Yeah. Okay, Pastor Marty told me on Sunday to go be a witness, and I went to my neighbor's house, and there was no response. And I knocked again, and there was no response. But it, was, it talks about planting that seed. Um, it may be my job to be a seed planter. You may be the guy that comes along next and knocks on the door to water it, but God has to give the increase. And so I think we can't get discouraged when we don't have quote unquote instant success, but to still keep, uh, you talked about being on mission and making sure that we don't lose sight of the mission um, as we go through it. Sometimes we can be guilty of, you said maintenance versus mission. Yeah. You want to talk about that a little bit? That was such a oh, great man, point. That's a whole, that's a whole <laughs> podcast. Um, <laughs> Uh, it, it, it's kind of reflective and um, somewhat indicative of the, of the elder brother syndrome, which means you've been in the house so long and you focus on all the good you've done that anything that is geared toward those who were outside coming back to Christ or coming to Christ for the first time almost makes you frustrated. And I think that the church has got to lean back into the why. Why are we here? I mean, why does the church exist on the earth today collectively uh, across the board? And, and really lean back into, are we fulfilling our mission? And so a lot of times in church life, we spend a lot of energy on the maintenance of the church, meaning the how we do church, the why, the what we've always done, the, the traditions, all those things. And Jesus, it's interesting because his, his last week of his life, he went through and began to wreak havoc on some of the traditional and institutional side of, of worship and faith and, and, and even how they viewed God. And so I think that in the world today as a church and as a Christian, I've got to be asking myself on a regular basis, am I more passionate for the maintenance of how the church is doing, what we're doing, 
the services, what was preached, did they have this element, did they do this, or how do they do that, or why did they do that? Or am I focused on the fact that the church exists to introduce Jesus to a fallen world? Right. And, uh, you know, our first pillar here at Calvary Church is to help people know God. Yes. And so we use that without apology that that's why we're here. And if we ever stop helping people know God, then why is the church even here? Because that's what makes us different is the fact that we are an introductory point to a relationship with the Almighty. And so, yeah, that's a whole podcast. We could break that down and have good fun with that one. Coming to a podcast near you. <laughs> Soon. <laughs> well, you talked to about how um, we've gotten used to in church life of crossing the ocean and we're going to Africa and witnessing to Africa, but we're forgetting about Aurora in America. And then now we're uh, foreign countries are sending missionaries over here to get us back on track to uh, not forget God. And so I thought that was important because I think you said something about in this season uh, with coronavirus coming out of this pandemic, now is the time to be about what the church is all about, be on mission for Jesus Christ, which is to uh, forget all the way we used to do things, but let's get back to basics and then feel that stir to go witness to my neighborhood, my community. I went home and I Googled, uh, you know, statistics for Aurora and I looked up some of the things that, uh, you know what, Jeremiah 29, 7 says, pray to the city to which you've been, you know, called and if it prospers, you'll prosper. Yeah. But to know what's happening in my city. I don't live in Naperville. I don't live in Humble Park. I live in Aurora. Yeah. And, and there's 147,000 people in Aurora. And I'm like, you know what, I wonder how many people are saved. But the Lord put a burden on my heart for the city to which I've been called. And if, and then begin to stir in me a burden and a passion to be a witness. So every, every dry cleaner, every Dunkin' Donuts or Starbucks, depending on your flavor, <laughs> that you go and say, you know what, does that person know Jesus Christ? And you said something about everybody is eligible for the gospel. Yes. Everyone is eligible for the gospel. So I thought, you know what, Lord, that means any person that come across, um, I should be saying, do you know God? Having a burden for them. You're really being sensitive to the Holy Spirit on that. So that was a, a powerful point. But one of those things you, you talked about, kind of uh, toward the end of your sermon, um, you said we get it wrong. And someone says, you know, how long have you been saved? Or, you know, uh, and we get, our, we get our response wrong to that. You want to you talk about that, uh, how we review it differently, how we should view it now? Yeah, I, I, think we, I think we tend to view our salvation once you've come to Christ, we tend to view it from a saved point of view and not the center point of view. And I think that at the heart of the gospel is always remembering that we, uh, we are sinners saved by grace. And that does not, that does not um, discount that we are now made righteous through Christ. That is not a theological uh, trouble uh, point. But what it is is an awareness that God's mercy is no less beautiful today than it was the first day I came back to God. And I think that we start moving into this arena, and this is where the elder brother comes out in us. We start moving into the arena that our salvation is now somewhat um, normal, uh, it is, and it's no longer beautiful. It's, we, we lose the awe. We lose the beauty and the joy. And when we lose the joy, we stop introducing uh, that to other people. It, it's, it's, like, um, it's like married life. You know, when I, when I meet somebody it would, and my wife would be with me, it would be improper for me not to introduce them to her and recognize her as my wife. At the same time, do I do that out of, well, protocol, or do I do that out of a, 
can you believe she married me? Can you, can, I mean, it's almost like I'm showing her off and saying, this wonderful woman actually said yes. And so it's all about the angle by which I approach it. And so there's a protocol, but there's also a passion. And in, when the marriage starts falling down to the place of, it's just about protocols. It's about cross and T's and dot and I's. Yep, checking boxes. It's not about passion. Then, then you're starting down the wrong path, and that's when the, the relationship begins to fracture. But if I could, if every time I introduce my wife to somebody, I do it with a sense of, can you, can you believe she actually married me? I mean, can you believe that, that this lady right here would be so, you know, gracious to me? And think about that in context of our Savior. At some point, if we're not careful, the elder brother, he kept saying, look at all these things I've done for you all these years. Right. At some point, we start thinking that, well, we are worthy of salvation. Yeah. And we deserve this. And, man, I've been crossing T's and dotting I's. I go to church every week. I've never missed an Easter in 40 years. Right. So you're still a sinner saved by grace. And so the idea would be when someone says, are you a Christian, the idea really is to move deeply to the place of, you know, I, I said it this way, can, can you believe it? Can you can you believe that a perfect God and a perfect Savior would give his life for me, that God would love me so much he sent his son for me? Can you believe that a wretch like me could be saved by such a holy God and a perfect sacrifice, a perfect son? And you want to live with that perspective because that keeps the joy of your salvation. And when you have the joy, now we can't wait to tell everybody. If I have the joy of my marriage... I look forward to places where I get to introduce my wife. If I have the joy of that relationship, I can't wait to talk about her, go home and see her, hear her voice, get a text, get a phone call. But if I have the obligation, then it's more like, well, I guess I better go home now. Yeah, and some and people might that. some people might say today, well, it's hard to keep that awe, it's hard to keep that joy, but I think you also pointed to saying, you know, if we're in the word every day, and we start with that day, you know, that, 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 that mentality that, you know, I once was lost. You know, I'm in a position now where I'm raising teenage boys and I have to tell them, hey, daddy wasn't always, you know, uh, who you see him today. I once was 16. I once was 14. And let me tell you what I was doing. I wasn't doing the things that God called me to do, but I'm giving them authenticity to let them know that, hey, uh, you know, I had a story. I once was lost, guys. But boy, let me tell you, the day I, I met Jesus Christ, the day I was found, and I'm constantly preaching that to them, but it's also reminding me to keep that all, to remember the story. And then when I meet someone who doesn't know the God, I can say, I can identify better. So I'm not on some high perch somewhere. I'm saying, yeah, you know what? I know what it was like to be that, that, uh, that prodigal. Yeah. I, had, I had the mud of the pig pen on me. Um, what I love with that story is that he just didn't, you know, the story could have ended, the father received him home, but he restored him, gave him the best robe and a ring, and he killed the fatted calf and had a great, you said barbecue on Sunday, and I said amen real loud on that one right there. But he didn't just there, he celebrated the fact that his lost son was home. And you talked about that heaven rejoices over one person. And we're getting ready to go into Easter, and we've been praying as a staff, and we've been believing God for, you know, whoever God has for us, whether it's one or 1,000, that we're going to have a, heaven's going to have a party, and we're going to celebrate. Tell us about your anticipation your excitement going into the easter uh weekend and not just that but after easter as well well i'm just always uh, i love preach sharing the gospel i mean so it's it'll be a pretty simple message uh, it's going to be directed direct uh directly toward those far from god 
to try to bring them near to God. That's the whole point is, you know, far from God, near to God. And everybody at some level is on a different point in that continuum. Everybody's a different place. All of us are trying to get closer to God every day. So I don't believe that the, that the weekend will be irrelevant for those who are walking with God because you can build your faith and then you can be empowered to go and share the gospel. So there's always a, a growth there. But just the bigger picture and the purpose is, is to position people to, um, to uh, hear the gospel and make a decision. You know, I have decided today. Today I decided to follow Jesus. So that's the point of it. I'm excited about it. It's going to be a great time. And uh, would love to have anybody who can join us here in person uh, or online uh, be part of our services for Easter weekend here at Calvary Church, kicking off with Good Friday. Uh, noon and then of course the weekend is the normal service time it's gonna be a great time awesome awesome well i want to end with one of the quotes that i wrote down i highlighted it i bolded it in my in my so you said our urgency to preach the gospel should exceed our anticipation for his return mm-hmm. i thought that was such a powerful uh statement that kind of just really summed up uh the be witnesses message and so we're looking forward to uh, all that god has in store not here at Calvary Church, but all over the globe, that people, lost people are going to come and know God. And, then, and, and we're going to celebrate that and rejoice knowing that people are, will begin that journey for the first time. So that's all the time we have for our podcast today. Thank you uh, for joining us. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channels and, and share this message with others. And we'll see you right back here next week.